A reading from Genesis 1 and Genesis 4. 131. God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. Genesis 4, 8-10. Cain spoke to Abel his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. Good morning, Trinity Heights Church. It's such a pleasure to be with you this morning. I just wanted to recap briefly where we are in our Genesis 1 Life Together Again series. Two weeks ago, we heard from Dave Herman, who delivered a sermon titled Chosen for What? And Dave spoke very eloquently about how uh, not only are we called to be reconciled back to God, uh, but it's not just about us. We've also been called to be reconciled back to each other, nature, and all of creation. And Dave said that the, our original calling were, was to not be exploiters. We, we should not embrace an exploita exploitative mindset, but rather we should be nurturers. In part two of the sermon series, we heard from Jesse Thorson, who took that idea of being nurturers further and said that not only are we nurturers, but we are also collaborators with God in his creative activity. And we are called to participate with him uh, as we uh, use care and kindly use with Christ as the, um, the prime example of uh, of self-giving sacrificial love. Recently, I had the great privilege of sitting down with a dear friend of Trinity Heights Church, Dr. Celestin Musakura. For those of you who don't know Dr. Musakura, he is the founder uh, and director uh, up until his recent retirement of the um, African uh, Leadership and Reconciliation Ministries uh, organization, also known as ALARM. Alarm was founded uh, post-Rwandan genocide uh, in order to provide hope and, um, and to reconcile uh, communities that had been scattered and isolated uh, and who had been um, completely devastated by the genocide uh, in Rwanda. Uh, as a result, Dr. Musakura has become an expert in reconciliation uh, and his whole life has been dedicated to seeing people uh, come back together uh, in times of hardship, uh, even you know, if a community has been scattered, um, he, has, he is the expert in seeing them come back together. And I thought that this was very poignant uh, considering that we have been scattered as the community of Trinity Heights Church post COVID and, and actually, uh, Celeste Musakura has some very interesting anecdotes and things to say about uh, COVID and, and how it has affected uh, his community um, and how he understands that it has affected our community as well. So I hope that you enjoy this conversation. Uh, this is part one of a, of a, of a two-part conversation. And so next Sunday, we'll be hearing from Dr. Musakura again uh, in part two. Enjoy. Celestin, it's uh, such a pleasure to be speaking with you this morning. Thank you. Thank you, Eric. It's a great honor to 
speak with you and to uh, speak uh, uh, to my friends, brothers and sisters at the Heights. Yeah, thank you. Well, I know you just got back from your sabbatical recently. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Uh, thank you. Um, it was um, uh, sabbatical uh, in the midst of um, um, the pandemic. Yeah. It was not what I expected. Yeah. <laughs> Everything changed, but uh, it was a time of rest, reflection, mm. and uh, a time to spend more time with my uh, wife, mm -hmm. uh, Bernadette, and, uh, and our children and uh, our grandchild. I um, had planned to do some travels, do some maybe studies somewhere, but uh, uh, because of COVID, everything changed. But it was it was beautiful. I'm so glad that you were able to have that that time with your family and your your new your new baby granddaughter. Uh, that's that's that is wonderful. I've been hearing similar stories. Uh, uh, from other people, just the amount of quality uh, time and, and very real precious time they were able to spend with family members, children, you know, husbands and wives. Um, uh, and I, I would say that that was the case for, for us as well. Uh, you know, my, my two boys and, and my wife, I think uh, living in New York, you end up running around like crazy, uh, trying to, to work, to live, to, to make money. <laughs> but uh, all of a sudden COVID put a stop to, to, to that. Uh, and um, we found ourselves out in the country together. Mm. And it was, it was a, a, a wonderful time. So I would, I would just reiterate everything that you said, that it really was a precious time for us, despite the pain. I think, you know, obviously that was there. Um, but I mean, it's, it's really great to, to, to hear that from, from you about the, the time you were able to spend with your family, because I'm always curious to hear how people have navigated this um, this past year in a bit, and uh, it despite the hardship, it does seem that we're all feeling, or not all, but some of us, hopefully most of us, are feeling hopeful and maybe even I think a little inspired to find to find this renewed sense of of community or, or a renewed sense of togetherness. I believe. Um the lessons we have uh, been learning um as you said is really a renewal of really what what's the most important mm. uh, in our lives uh as we were saying you know we have friends of course uh, friends both uh, neighbors or friends in the church or friends that we grew up with uh, who lost their loved ones mm -hmm. uh, and uh, the sad uh, for some of us, uh, especially from Africa, uh, when you are not able to attend the funeral of, of your friend who died of COVID because mm. they are limiting people who are attending, it's, it's difficult. It's, yeah. uh, it's, it's difficult. You don't even know how to mourn because uh, uh, there's no closure because there's even doubt that they did die, you know? Mm -hmm. So there's that level of suffering and, and um, uh, feeling isolated because you can't visit your friend, you can't gather around the brother who's suffering, mm -hmm. and uh, that that is a reality of it. So on the other side of it, then uh, it became true that uh, uh, this COVID, these uh, lessons we learn in pain, 
uh, through our painful experience, through painful isolation, we are learning that um, um, we need to develop, when we have opportunity to get together, maybe the rest of the time is building what we're not able to build, is, uh, is building a community fast mm. because it is in the community that we, we grow. It is in the community that we mm -hmm. uh, find actually what our purpose <laughs> for life is to honor God, to serve our neighbors, we are meant to be in a community. So yeah. our, we have a, a proverb in my language, in my culture, in the Rwandan culture, the probably more African culture, mm. that a neighbor is more important than a brother who lives far off. Mm. Mm. Yeah, because it's mm. your neighbor, when your house is in a fire, it's your neighbor who comes to <laughs> you know, In Africa, we don't have the the fire fire truck nine one one. So mm. so it's your neighbor who is nine one one, and therefore yeah. uh, this was a reminder that uh, we can't live in isolation. We uh, the sense of renewing our community, sense of community, mm. uh, probably is revived. That I'm not going to be alone. I'm going mm. to make efforts to know my neighbor because mm. I don't want to know my neighbor when trouble happens again. So wonderful. I know right before I was just sharing with you how out these windows, our whole community on this block in New York City has come together more than ever. I mean, we know our neighbors and I feel that I feel that so deeply, this idea mm -hmm. that that our neighbors out here are closer than than our family that lives far away. While we're on this subject, I, I, I guess I I mean, I, I know a little bit of, of your, your backstory and how community has really um, shaped you and, and you have shaped communities uh, in, in the past, uh, specifically communities uh, in hardship that have faced difficult times. I think that this is probably not the first time that you have seen communities come together uh, in, in, in times of, of um, deep grief uh, and, um, and especially communities, I think that initially have found themselves um, shattered or, or driven a, a apart by, by difficult the circumstances. Mm. Yeah, the you know, Eric, uh, part of uh, the the growth mm -hmm. um, is to see both the ugly side of community when community mm. uh, is when people live together, but they don't live like community. They mm. they live with this notion of me against them, it's me and them. In my situation in Rwanda, the Hutu and Tutsis, we were um, both a community of Rwandans uh, who are Rwandans first, and then who happened to be Hutu and Tutsis uh, who lived together, but they allowed the, the otherness, they allowed the difference, which may be the shape of the nose, <laughs> mm -hmm. it's, it's not the color of the skin, but for us in Rwanda, it was the shape of our nose, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, it's not even language because we share the same language. And so mm -hmm. we allow those, uh, uh, the, uh, the enemy who doesn't like community to mm -hmm. bring hatred. So I saw the, how we did, what we did to each other mm -hmm. uh, and then uh, uh, caused suffering and death and, and atrocities to one another. And then I saw people scattered, but uh, also I saw when people scattered in those refugee camps, uh, they began actually to form communities. And uh, uh, I was part of forming 
uh, community within the community. Now, mm -hmm. uh, the community at that time began to work on building was that community of Christians, uh, uh, pastors that really needed to give more hope mm. to those who are hopeless in those scattered refugee camps. Somebody said, uh, told me, uh, in my community, you we helped each other to suffer peacefully, you know. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. uh, and um, one pastor said, because of the community around me, uh, my grief uh, was, uh, uh, I could tolerate my grief. I could mm -hmm. grieve with hope. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so it was those community that another pastor said, uh, I could not... Uh, uh, forgive those who killed my wife and four children mm -hmm. by the community of believers uh, walked with me through the process of of giving up the 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 anger and bitterness and helping me to understand yeah. uh, uh, who I am and and look beyond and remember my identity so uh, so that it is for me that community that uh, uh, the fellowship uh, in the suffering if you could say that mm -hmm. in the uh, not not only um, the suffering of our fellow men, but remembering that Christ formed the community of Christians through the suffering, mm. and so and so uh, for me that was the beginning of really understanding really uh, Christians as a community within the community with a community yeah. within the wider community. Uh, we exist not for ourselves uh, to form a camp of isolated Christians, <laughs> but we mm -hmm. actually exist to. Uh, bring hope. Well, this reminds me of uh, of a Rowan Williams quote. Uh, he says, Christians will be found in the neighborhood of Jesus, but Jesus is found in the neighborhood of human confusion and suffering defenselessly alongside those in need. Uh, if being baptized is being led to where Jesus is, then being baptized is being led towards the chaos and the neediness of a humanity that has forgotten its own destiny. That's a beautiful quote, and uh, I guess that's why when we are saved, uh, mm -hmm. we are not beamed up, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> we get and, to uh, we, we we get to stay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we get to stay, and then uh, we get to go back. I I think that's beautiful because uh, that reminds me some of those stories in the gospels, the people that Jesus healed. He told them to go back to their village, either to show themselves to the priest yeah. or the Levites or to go. Don't someone just to follow him to be part of the 12 or small group <laughs> moving around and say, no, you go, go back and tell what uh, right. what you have seen. And we see, uh, I think that's beautiful. We, uh, Yeah, I think that's probably what Bonhoeffer called the costly grace. Mm. Uh, uh, we when we are saved, we follow Christ. We follow Him where He is, and right. He is found in the in the margin of the neglected. He is found in the margin yeah. of the abandoned. He is found in the margin of the voiceless. Yeah, yeah, and it, th that's a great point because I think it's so easy uh, to get wrapped up in ideas of, of being very comfortable or being very safe. And I, I think uh, you know Christians in New York, uh, even me, we struggle with this. We want to protect our families. Uh, we want to uh, to live lives that that feel uh, good. <laughs> and uh, I, but but then I'm also reminded. So the, the, the quote that I just read from Rowan Williams uh, continues on and he says uh, towards a, a little later on, he says, if you take 
this step to go into the depths, to follow Christ into the depths. It will be transfiguring, exhilarating, life-giving, and very, very dangerous. So that's, yeah, that's that's the yeah, you get both. You get <laughs> right. excited. And I would tell you, Eric, for me is uh, uh, it has been um, some some situation, I mean, very, very uh, painful, some mm. torture, physical torture, and sometimes feeling that maybe. I should quit. Maybe, in fact, sometimes think about what's going to happen to my wife and children. Mm -hmm. uh, Jesus is sending me to this area in Congo, in Darfur, mm -hmm. where actually my uh, life is in danger. God is telling me to talk to my own Hutu and Tutsi in the Fiji camps who don't want to talk about forgiving reconciliation, and they put you on the list of people to be killed. <laughs> so you have mm -hmm. that living with you. And the same time, when uh, by God's grace, when you speak to people, you see people saying, I was literally, one guy said, tomorrow I had planned to take a machete and go to cut the neck of the children of that man who oh. killed my wife. And because of this message by alarm, by uh, these leaders, then I realized that my only justice will cause them to come to kill my other family. So, so nobody's is going to stop. So for me, when I think just about this one incident, mm -hmm. I, I say it is worthy it. So it is <laughs> yeah. scary, yeah. it is dangerous, but it's exciting. For me, it has been looking beyond the, the pain to the joy that happens to uh, the end of that. And so, mm -hmm. and by the way, he, he doesn't call us to go through what he did not go through. So, so he went through the course. <laughs> we can't suffer <laughs> right. more than he suffered. Right. Uh, and so the other side is that there are people who suffer um, doing nothing. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, 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 yes. Yeah, true, and true. So there are people who want to through suffering and their suffering is for nothing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, if I'm called to go through the suffering of Christ, depending mm -hmm. on the level it may be, uh, shame, maybe, maybe you are embarrassed by saying I'm a Christian. You don't have to right. be in the bad situation like in Sudan, Darfur, Rwanda, mm -hmm. or Congo. It could be New York, maybe some of the, uh, they are laughing at you because you are behaving in like cross life because you don't want mm -hmm. to be like them. And so it, it right. may be just embarrassment, maybe social stigma, maybe isolation, but any suffering for the sake of following Christ mm -hmm. is redemptive. Yeah. It's not the end of it. Mm, mm. that's beautiful yeah i've been thinking about that a lot too because i grew up um there was a, a an idea at least in my head as a child where where well if you become a christian then life will be full of suffering and so it was kind of this idea of you you better know what you're doing if you're going to follow christ you will face suffering and then as i got older and i moved to the city i started to realize oh everyone suffers regardless <laughs> you don't have to follow christ to suffer you can just suffer because you're a human you will suffer yeah. and uh and so then it's very interesting to think of being a christian and encountering suffering as not not going hand in hand with being a christian but actually giving you the power to redeem the suffering and and to understand um how christ himself redeemed the greatest amount of suffering 
uh, for for a, a great amount of of beauty. And I guess I've, I've been thinking as well that even though the danger is there, even though that suffering uh, is there, um, and even though we feel uh, fear and worry, and I'm sure, you, like you said, you felt fear and worry uh, about yourself and about your family, yet you've chosen, and I would hope that, that we would choose as a community of Trinity Heights to always go into the depths, to follow Christ into the depths, despite the risks that might be there. We don't pray for suffering to come because it will come. We don't pray for it. <laughs> it will come. It will come. <laughs> it will come. Yeah. But then how does the community, then that's part mm. of the community, how does the community help us through this uh, suffering moment, whether it is because of you know, COVID or losing our loved ones or, or being lonely or uh, being rejected by your family because uh, you are Christian or um, not having a job for a month, mm -hmm. uh, how does the community uh, uh, accompany us and help um, uh, alleviate, uh, yeah. make the suffering less because it is shared suffering. So, mm -hmm. so, so mm -hmm. how do I share the burden? Uh, you know, that we are told to, to carry each other's burden. We can't carry each other's burden if we don't live in the community mm -hmm. or if we don't even share our suffering. And that for me, that is uh, the transparency, the openness, the vulnerability in the community that mm -hmm. makes the suffering more bearable because we are not alone. Mm -hmm.